Howdy! Before we start today, a quick thank you to Ellen Native Texan for leaving a review on iTunes. Five stars! Keep up the good work! I'm a big history fan and a native Texan. These guys do a great job explaining Texas history and keeping it fun. Keep up the good work! Well, thank you very much, Native Texan. And if you're a Native Texan, find a non-Native Texan and tell them about the show and what we do. Because the only way people are going to find out about Come and Take It is if you get out there and help us and spread the word. Share it on Facebook. Twitter something out about it. uh, And let us know what you're doing. We'd like to thank you for the hard work you're doing. We can't do this without your support. So thank you so much. And without further ado, here's the show. That old dog won't hunt. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zulkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. Though officially one of the weakest governorships when compared with other states, Texas governors nonetheless have a special knack for proving themselves to be political powerhouses capable of impacting the national stage. Perhaps one of the most Texan of those who has risen to fame, and some say infamy over the years, is our own Ann Richards. But first, what's your favorite obscure Texas band? Uh, My favorite is a band from the 90s, Dallas Tabula Rasa, who had a great show that I saw in the early 90s and it never went anywhere. Hmm. Ah, yeah, Tabula Rasa. I'm going to say San Antonio's own Pinata Protest. They're fairly amazing, so please go check them out. They're super cool. Well, I'm going to go with one of the most obscure Texas <laughs> uh, rock and roll bands, and I'm going to say Sam Sherry and the Glamtastics. Um, you can try and look them up. Good, Good luck. luck with that. Good, Good luck, luck finding <laughs> them. Known as a sharp-witted straight shooter with down-home charm, Ann Richards was an acknowledged trailblazer. The first woman to truly be elected to the highest office in the state, she would go on to create changes in the education system, entertainment industry, and the state of equality in Texas that are still felt today. Dorothy Ann Willis was born September 1, 1933 in Lakeview, Texas. She was the only child of Robert Cecil Willis and Mildred Iona Warren. She grew up in Waco and early on demonstrated her interest in community activism when she participated in Girl State, a summer leadership and citizen program for high school juniors sponsored by the American Legion. This program is meant to introduce its participant to the ins and outs of state government. During the course of this program, the participants represented different portions of the state and elected mock leaders, created and passed bills, and they organized a faux state government. Anne graduated from Waco High School in 1950 and went all the way out to Baylor University to attend college. Way far away from home. (laughs) She attended college on a debate team scholarship and earned a bachelor's degree. She married her high school sweetheart, David Richards, and they moved to Austin. Again, going way far away from home. (laughs) Super long drive. Yeah. There she attained her teaching certificate from the University of Texas. After receiving her teacher certificate, Richards taught social studies and history at Fulmer Junior High School in Austin from 1955 to 1956. It didn't take long, politics caught her attention, and she campaigned for Texas liberals and progressives, including Henry B. Gonzalez, Ralph Yarbrough, and Sarah T. Hughes. She worked on the campaigns that got both Sarah Weddington, the woman who argued the winning side in Roe v. Wade, and Wilhelmina Delco elected to the Texas legislature. 
Her skill at campaigning eventually grew so great that she presented training sessions throughout the state on campaign techniques for women candidates and their managers. She supported ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment in the 1970s, and she presented it to the delegates of the National Women's Conference in Houston in 1978. Unfortunately, this amendment was never ratified by enough states to become part of the Constitution. Despite this defeat, Anne would taste victory as well. In 1976, she ran against and defeated a three-term incumbent candidate to win a seat on the Travis County Commissioner's Court. Her next victory came with a whopping 81.4% of the vote when she was re-elected four years later in 1980. Unfortunately, even as her political career was on the rise, Richards experienced trouble in her personal life. The strain of politics worsened her alcohol abuse until she sought out and completed treatment for alcoholism in 1980. Even this step was not enough to save her marriage, unfortunately, and in 1984, she divorced her husband of 31 years and the father of her four children. Despite the turmoil of her personal problems, Richard's political star continued to rise. The incumbent state treasurer, who had the name Warren G. Harding, became mired in legal troubles in 1982, and Anne won the Democratic nomination for his office. She went on to win against her Republican opponent in November, and became the first woman elected to statewide office in Texas in more than 50 years. Richards won re-election in 1986 with no opposition. This was not surprising given that she was extremely popular as the treasurer because of how active she was in the office. Richards worked hard to maximize the return of Texas state investments, no doubt due to the fact that she would consider the Treasury Department to have been mismanaged before her arrival. As she described it, when she took office... The Treasury Department was run something like a 1930s country bank with deposits that didn't earn interest. Richard's success at the state level was mirrored by her increasing prominence on the national stage. At the 1984 Democratic National Convention, she delivered one of the nominating speeches for Walter Mondale and actively campaigned for him and vice presidential candidate Geraldine Ferraro in Texas, despite the great popularity President Reagan enjoyed and the potential damage that it could do to her career. She returned to the Democratic National Convention in 1988 and delivered a keynote address that projected her into the national spotlight. Her speech was highly critical of both the Reagan administration and then-Vice President George H.W. Bush. It was particularly notable because it demonstrated the wit and Texas charm that she was known for. Some of the most memorable quotes from the speech include, quote, I'm delighted to be here with you this evening because after listening to George Bush all these years, I figured you needed to know what a real Texas accent sounds like. And, poor George, he can't help it. He was born with a silver foot in his mouth. (laughs) Also, two women in 160 years is about par for the course. But if you give us a chance, we can perform. After all, Ginger Rogers did everything that Fred Astaire did. She just did it backwards and in high heels. And finally, when we pay billions for planes that won't fly, billions for tanks that won't fire, and billions for systems that won't work, that old dog won't hunt. And you don't have to be from Waco to know that when the Pentagon makes crooks rich and doesn't make America strong, that it's a bum deal. This address was so noteworthy that it has been called an historically significant speech by rhetorical experts, and it certainly set the tone for her political future. This national prominence and popularity would help her in 1990 when the Texas Republican governor, Bill Clements, decided not to run for re-election. I wonder why he did that. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Something to do with some SMU football players? Any SMU football fans out there, tweet us your thoughts. (laughs) 
Richards won the Democratic gubernatorial nomination against Attorney General Jim Maddox and former Governor Mark White. Maddox ran a particularly aggressive campaign against Richards, accusing her of abusing worse drugs than just alcohol. Republican nominee Clayton Weems Jr. ran an even more aggressive campaign. It went so far as including one of his supporters and former friend of Richard Susan Weddington placing a, bra- a black wreath that read death to the family at the door of Richard's campaign headquarters in Austin. Williams's poor taste and bad manners only became more evident as the campaign progressed, culminating in a joke about rape that practically guaranteed he would lose. His joke was rape is like rain in Texas. You can't stop it. You might as well lay back and enjoy it. So that's yeah. going to get you votes. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Still, even back then, a Democrat in Texas was always going to be an underdog, and Richards only won the election by a margin of 49 to 47 percent. Now, while Richards was technically the second woman to hold the title of Texas governor, many consider her the first truly elected woman, as Miriam Ma Ferguson is generally considered nothing more than a proxy for her husband, who was, of course, James Pa Ferguson. Um, He just wanted to remain in power despite being impeached. Richard's groundbreaking victory was only one of the many steps toward diversity she was involved with. During her term, she appointed then-state representative Lena Guerrero to a vacancy on the Texas Railroad Commission, one of the most powerful governmental organizations in the state. Guerrero was not the first woman to serve on the commission, but she was the first non-Anglo in history to serve. Richard's quest for inclusiveness also included adding women and blacks to one of the most prestigious of Texas organizations, the Texas Rangers. Political realities in Texas meant that Richards was not always able to champion diversity, though. During her governorship, she signed into law the recodified Texas Penal Code, which included anti-homosexuality laws. Section 21.06 of the state's homosexual conduct law made same-sex intercourse a Class C misdemeanor. Richardson's opposition to this law was clear since she campaigned in Houston in 1990 to repeal it, but as governor, her signature made it into a law. Not unlike when she took over the Treasury Department, Richards had quite a task before her when she took over the highest office in the state. Texas's economy had been in a slump since the mid-80s, a situation that was only worsened by the downturn in the general United States economy. Taking the same sort of vision she had as Texas State Treasurer, she created a program of economic revitalization that proved impressively effective. In 1991, Texas showed economic growth of 2%, even as the economy of the U.S. as a whole shrank. Richards had a longtime love of Texas film and music, and this love was the inspiration for part of her plan to boost the state's economy. She moved both the Texas Music Office and Texas Film Commission underneath the office of the governor so that she could personally and directly oversee their policies. To help put a public face on her efforts, she gave the Welcome to Texas speech at the opening ceremonies of the 1993 South by Southwest Music Festival. She was also involved in the Texas Film Hall of Fame from the beginning and inducted Liz Smith in the first ceremony. She was MC every subsequent year until 2006. Ann Richards once said, quote, I've been a friend to Texas film since the number of people who cared about Texas film could have fit into a phone booth. She traveled to Los Angeles to help promote the state, and her efforts brought Texas as a filming location into the spotlight of Hollywood. Her efforts were noticed by many in the Texas film industry, and Gary Bond, the director of the Austin Film Commission, said of her, quote, She was far from being the first governor to appoint a film commissioner. I think she was the first that really brought the focus of Hollywood to Texas. 
Richards didn't just move behind the scenes, though. She also performed in multiple projects in film and animation. She narrated Barbecue, a Texas love story, and even appeared in publicity photos for the film. She went so far as to help revise the script, pointing to a portion that was unclear at one point, saying, What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It sounds like something George Bush would say. (laughs) (laughs) She did not pull any punches, folks. Nope. Richards also voiced roles in Disney's Home on the Range, the Fox TV series King of the Hill, and appeared in a 1996 documentary, The West. One of her last appearances was a short public announcement for the Alamo Draft House, requesting that patrons avoid being disruptive. This short announcement is still used by the theater in Austin to this day, with an addition honoring Richards. As part of her economic recovery plan, Richards also made efforts to streamline Texas government and regulatory institutions for both business and public. Though not completely successful in revitalizing the infrastructure or the economic growth that would come later in the decade, her audits did save $600 million for the state. Richards was not only focused on the economy, she championed a number of social reforms. One of her primary targets was the prison system in Texas, and she established a substance abuse program for inmates and reduced the number of violent offenders that were released. She also increased prison space to deal with the growing prison population, which went from less than 60,000 in 1992 to over 80,000 in 1994. As further support for the justice system and back proposals to reduce the sale of semi-automatic firearms and cop killer bullets. School finance was important to Richards as well. The Texas Lottery was instituted during her governorship, with the bulk of proceeds earmarked to go to supplementing school finances. To show her support, she bought the first lottery ticket in May 29, 1992. The infamous Robin Hood plan was also launched in 1992-93 in an attempt to make school funding across the various districts in Texas more fair. She also attempted to decentralize control over education and policy in Texas, instituting site-based management to provide control to districts and even individual campuses. Yeah, basically this uh, was an effort to allow principals and local administrators to have more control over the the policies in their district. Mm -hmm. Now, Richard signed into law an amendment of the Texas Financial Responsibility Law that required proof of insurance any time a motorist renewed their vehicle registration, inspection sticker, driver's license, or obtained new license plates. 1992 ended up being a busy year for Ms. Richards, not only because of her work as governor. She was chosen as the chairwoman of the Democratic National Convention. Bill Clinton was chosen as the Democratic presidential candidate at this convention and would go on to defeat Republican incumbent George H.W. Bush. Of course, this was the same George Bush who she had spoken about four years earlier in the speech that brought her to national prominence and father of the man she would face only two years later in her bid for re-election as governor. Despite her many successes as governor, Richards would be defeated in the 1994 election by George W. Bush. She had hoped for the relatively inexperienced Bush to make some sort of misstep in his campaign, but really he never did. On the contrary, Richards herself made a number of mistakes that hindered her campaign, including referring to Bush at various points as some jerk, shrub, and that young Bush boy. Perhaps most surprising about these errors was that her campaign mistakes reflected many of the attitudes and mistakes that Clayton Williams had made, the opponent that she had defeated to gain the governorship in the first place, by treating her opponent with disdain and basically kind of rude. Karl Rove, Bush's campaign strategist, pointed at three specific actions that he believed were the cause of Richards' loss. 
The first was her opposition to the concealed weapon bill created by State Representative Susanna Hupp. When she was asked her opinion about whether women would feel safer if they could carry guns in their purses, her answer was, well, I'm not a sexist, but there's not a woman in this state who could find a gun in her handbag, much less a lipstick. Um, Now, as with most statements that start with, I'm not a sexist, this is clearly a sexist sentiment, or at very least, it's really flippant. And this was one that was more than a little baffling that came from a woman who was a feminist pioneer. That bill would later be passed by the legislature, and it was signed into law by Bush in 1995. The second serious misstep was her attempt in 1994 to give five Texas waterways centered at Barton Springs and the surrounding land to the federal government. This would have included seizing private property, which is always a mistake in Texas, and would have hurt economic development in the area. Finally, Rove believed her Prince Charming speech at the American Legion's Girl State meeting hurt her chances. In it, she remarked, quote, Prince Charming may be driving a Honda motorcycle and telling you you have no equal, but that's not going to do much good when you've got kids and a mortgage, and I could add he's got a beer gut and a wandering eye. Prince Charming, if he does ride up on a Honda, he's going to expect you to make the payments. This obviously showed a negative view against both sexes and against marriage and family, alienating both her audience and other potential voters. These mistakes were not the only cause of Richard's defeat, though. It was part of an overall larger change happening in American politics. The same year she lost, Republicans won an overwhelming number of state and national elections. Popular Democratic New York Governor Mario Cuomo also lost his re-election bid, and the Republicans won a majority of the seats in the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives. There's always a silver lining, though, and reverting to her fascination with television, Richards and Cuomo appeared in a series of commercials for Doritos shortly after their defeats, in which they discussed the, quote, sweeping changes that were occurring. Of course, the sweeping changes they were talking about was the fancy new packaging for Doritos. It was the 90s, guys. (laughs) (laughs) It was a different time. Although Richards never held another public office after her defeat, she remained active in public life and politics. She served as a senior advisor to an international law firm based in Washington, D.C. from 1995 to 2001 and was senior advisor to the communications firm Public Strategies Incorporated, which was based in Austin and New York starting in 2001. She also sat on the boards of three major corporations, including JCPenney. Additionally, though it would be several decades since she taught junior high school social studies and history, she stuck to her roots as a teacher. She served as Distinguished Visiting Professor of Politics at Brandeis University in 1997 and 1998. She was elected as a trustee at Brandeis in 98 and re-elected in 2004. She also was involved in the creation of the Ann Richards School for Young Women Leaders in Austin, a school focused on helping women learn to be community leaders, which opened its doors in 2007. Richards also remained active in politics, serving as a tireless campaigner for Democratic candidates throughout the country. She endorsed Howard Dean in the 2004 Democratic presidential primary, but later supported John Kerry as the Democratic nominee. She took particular interest in highlighting the issues of health care and women's rights. She was mentioned as a potential running mate for Kerry, but was not in his list of top finalists, and specifically said she was not interested in returning to politics in that capacity. Ann Richards had health issues, which had begun back in 1996 when she was diagnosed with osteoporosis. By the time she was diagnosed, she'd already lost three-quarters of an inch in height and broken both an ankle and a wrist. Not one to let any setback stop her, she changed her diet and lifestyle and stabilized her bone density. She was also not one to keep 
her opinion to herself. She spoke frequently about her experience with the disease and advocated a healthier lifestyle for women. In 2004, she wrote, I'm Not Slowing Down, with Dr. Richard U. Levine, a book about her battle with osteoporosis that offered guidance to others dealing with the disease. While considered informative by experts in the field and dealing with a serious subject, the book also retained Richard's trademark humor. In March 2006, Ann Richards was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Her type, taking place in the upper esophagus, is generally linked with alcohol and tobacco abuse. Far from denying this or hiding from her past, Richard freely admitted to heavy drinking and smoking in her younger years, saying she, quote, smoked like a chimney and drank like a fish. She no doubt had hopes that others would learn from her mistakes. The disease progressed rapidly, and Rand Richards died on the night of September 13, 2006, in her home in Austin. She is buried in the Texas State Cemetery, and three memorial services were held in her honor. Bill Clinton escorted her casket to the Capitol, and thousands attended the service. Both Lily Tomlin and Liz Smith spoke at the ceremony. Two months after her death on November 16, 2006, the city of Austin changed the official name of Congress Avenue Bridge to Ann W. Richards Congress Avenue Bridge. Ann Richards' impact on the political landscape was noted outside the state of Texas as well. This inspirational woman was one of the characters portrayed by Anna DeVere Smith in her play, Let Me Down Easy. The show opened in 2008, played in several cities around the country, and was featured as one of PBS's great performances in 2012. In 2010, Holland Taylor debuted a one-woman show called Anne, an affectionate portrait of Ann Richards in San Antonio. It was subsequently staged in the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. and New York City's Lincoln Center. Taylor said of her subject, quote, She was brave, strong, and funny. Bill Clinton is said the wittiest person he'd ever met. She ran as a liberal and conservative Texas, so I had to write a play about her four incredible years in Austin. She was ahead of Obama by about ten years as an inclusive leader. Two documentaries have been made about Richards. In 2012, one about her political life, entitled Ann Richards, Texas. And on April 28, 2014, HBO released a documentary, all about Ann, Governor Richards of the Lone Star State. Well, I would say she's a remarkable lady. And, um, you know, she was in office, I guess, through the 90s, um, kind of, you know, as I quote-unquote came of age. And uh, so she was the one that was uh, on, on the, in the governor's seat when I was going through my early adulthood. So she's looms large in my memory at that time. Mm-hmm. Well, she's a funny... Uh, it's a funny thing because we do so many episodes on this show that are about uh, people who are long gone and things that, you know, uh, stuff we might vaguely have a, a, a remembrance of studying in school. But, you know, this is a piece of history that, you know, all three of us actually really lived through. And and this is that time um, when you're coming of age kind of politically and becoming aware of the world and, and finding things. Uh you know, she's one of those, and she's a very much a, she's a polarizing figure, but you can't deny that she isn't Texan. <laughs> and I think she, you know, despite of how you felt about her as a person, I think she always did a great job representing the state, uh, you yeah, know, what yeah, Texas no was. No doubt. I mean, I remember, you know, all the, the different magazine covers and stuff she was on. She was always, you know, dressed like your, you know, little old Texan lady and, you know, it's she, there's just a very strong image of her in my mind as a a Texan. Yeah. yeah, she in a lot of ways she was sort of the 
she was sort of the last gasp of that that old the Democrat system. But she actually was not, uh, you know, when she came of age as as a as a political person, she she was part of the liberal side of the Democratic Party. And you know, at the time in the 1950s and 60s, the the if you wanted to say, you know, what was a conservative in Texas, a, a Democrat, uh, and she was she was on the the far left side of that of that equation. But by the 1980s, the late 80s and early 90s, that that shift had gone completely to the Republican Party. So she really was, she was the last uh, Democrat governor of Texas since you know it's been now 20 years since she was uh, governor of Texas. I just love that the thing about Ann Richards is you know you see, you know she had that that big white hairdo and she was funny because there's a quote she had she just had such a sharp tongue and wit, and it's just like. You know, you go back and look at these quotes from people like, uh, you know, things that Ben Franklin said, or you look at this quote from, you know, Sam Houston had these very clever things he said, and she just had a, she had a razor tongue. I mean, she had, she'd kill you with her polite razor wit. Like her wit was so good. Uh, somebody, she said, you know, a lot of these politicians make fun of my hair, but you'll notice they all don't have any. Or um, <laughs> she, she had said, uh, I've always said in, in politics, your enemies can't hurt you, but your friends will kill you. And, you know, she just, it, I just, I like wit. And I, I just, yeah. I like that smart, funny, fast thinking stuff. It, you, and it was really something to see her uh, on a roll. And, and those, and I remember watching those speeches when those speeches came out that she's famous for. I, I do, I just remember being in that moment of getting to see that sort of political high theater happening in America. Yeah. Well, I, I have a beef with, and Richards, because way back in 1990, hmm. 91, 92, Te- Norman G. Texas, the first 1A school to become elected president school of the Texas Association of Student Councils, uh, we were responsible for planning the state convention, and we asked her to speak, and she declined. Then the next year, Kingwood High School, which at the time was like either the second or third biggest school in Texas, and the probably the richest school in Texas at the time, they got elected president. And guess who's the keynote speaker at their convention? Ann Richards. So she couldn't come out for a small town plucky underdog who had managed to beat all the big schools and become the first 1A school elected president. But she sure could for Kingwood, right? So that's my beef with Ann Richards. But other than that, I (laughs) I did like the lady. And she certainly did not kill a mockingbird when she... (laughs) Went hunting. So, yeah, so you're that, not a, you're, you're not an anti-Richardsite. I, I'm uh, not an anti everything she's so for. Much. No, no. Yeah, it's it's a personal beef he has with the, with yeah. the, with the woman. Wait, well, you know, I, I, I want to tell that. Well, before you start, I want to tell that story of the mockingbird because that is something I very, you know, growing up in rural Texas, having done a bit of bird hunting as a kid and sort of experiencing it. It was funny because there was, uh, she was just an avid hunter. I mean, she she looked very comfortable with a gun in her hands and she was just, she was just pure Texas down to her boot heels. And uh and she she's very much what I think of as as an elder stateswoman of Texas. But she she hunted all the time and when all the campaigning was going on between her and uh, George W. Bush, George W. Bush went out and there was a, you know, we had a press crew and the whole thing and they were gonna have this footage of him hunting and one uh, and and he uh shot I remember he shot a mockingbird in a tree and I remember it ran in the news this story that uh, he'd killed a mockingbird 
which, which is uh, the Texas state bird for those of you who don't for know. those not in Texas it is our it is our state bird it is more revered than the eagle by the Texan uh, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe equally but uh and I remember there was a lot of, of just mud slinging and and hubbub and things said it was it was a crazy time yeah 90s. yeah there's there's quite a few people that also don't like uh the Robin Hood, but she was not directly responsible for that as much as just the, the state legislature. Yeah, so. and actually, that'd be an int- you know the that in itself is a huge controversy in Texas. Is you know, of course, we've talked about you know we're all fairly well, tied to uh, Texas education, but um, yeah. uh, if you're a, if you're an educator in Texas, you have an opinion on both uh, site management or. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could have an you entire know, episode. Robin Hood of, or Texas Education. Texas Education could be its own its own yeah, episode. Yeah, t- fraud and malfeasance in school financing <laughs> in the state of Texas could be its own series of episodes. So, yeah. So, tweet us your thoughts. We're we're open. The door's always open. <laughs> Let me ask this question. There was a lot of national prominence put around, uh, of course, around Wendy Davis in her campaign for governor. Um, recently, there's. You know, I think that, uh, but Anne was a special lady. Was she just the the last gasp of that politics? Was she the end of an era, or is she was she just one of those people like Sam Houston who just seemed to be sort of uh, right place, right time, always had the right thing to say, uh, you know, and just made yeah, her th- made her fans happy, made her enemies mad. Yeah, I think I think Texas politics, the Democrats in Texas are are, are constantly looking for that next Ann Richards, that that person who can can bring enough around her to to kind of go against the tide and and bring the win for the Democrats. She she really is she is the last of an era type person, but at the same time, she was an extraordinary person. Um, in a lot of ways, what what kind of doomed her in the the ninety four election was that she had focused too much on national politics and that was a criticism that kind of came back to, mm, to bite her that. was that she'd been, she'd been gallivanting around the country and was more popular in other states than she was in her own state. <laughs> so that, that really kind of hurt her. And, but I think that's, that's the, that's kind of the, the reason why there's a lot of interest in Ann Richards in 2012 and 14 um, was, you know, the idea of another, another Ann Richards coming uh, to Texas. Her birthday is September 1st, 1933. So we can say happy birthday to Ann Richards this week, one of the most controversial and interesting governors of Texas. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. Why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. If you'd like to support the show financially, please go to patreon.com slash Texas Podcast. We'd like to thank our friend James Abendroth for helping us to research and write this episode. You can find him on Twitter at Blackguard Press, and you can find his fiction work at blackguardpress.com. We know you love Texas. We know you love this show. So get out there and do your duty. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell anyone you see. Listen to Come and Take It. And also, leave a review on iTunes and make your friends leave a review on iTunes because that's what friends do for each other. And it really helps us out to find new listeners just like you. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.